California Governor Gavin Newsom is ready to reopen shops and schools, but churches are staying closed for the foreseeable future. The reopened plans tell us a lot about the state of American psycho society. Then, Joe Biden gets a big endorsement from the woman who spent decades smearing all of Bill Clinton's sexual victims. China faces new consequences for inflicting this virus on us, and a surprise candidate enters the race for president. All that and more. I'm Michael Knowles, and this is The Michael Knowles Show. We spoke yesterday about my own governor here in California, Gavin Newsom. Newsom uh, just keeps on with the overreaches. The, the longer that this lockdown drags on, the more and more the science shows us that it's time to start easing up on the lockdown, the more the governor doubles down. Well, the governor, the governor tripled down, quadrupled down yesterday, and his plan for how to reopen in the weeks and months ahead tells us a lot about our priorities in, in modern American liberal society. He held a big news conference to discuss his plan. Now we turn to Governor Newsom. In 87, Huey released this for their most accomplished album. I think their undisputed masterpieces, Hip to Be Square, a song so catchy, most people probably don't listen to the lyrics, but they should, because it's not just about the pleasures of conformity and the importance of friends, it's also a personal statement about the band itself. Hey, Paul! I'm sorry, I got confused again. That was actually Patrick Bateman from American Psycho. It's sometimes I confuse the two. Try getting a reservation at Dorcia Now, Newsom 2024. That's going to be the campaign slogan. Here is the actual clip of Governor Newsom explaining his four-part plan for reopening. We believe we are weeks, not months away from making meaningful modifications to that indicator and in this space. Weeks, not months. You'll ask me, well, is weeks one week or three weeks? Weeks, not months. Again, based upon the data, based upon uh, the indicators. So weeks, not months. Well, that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Okay, good. Maybe Governor Newsom is uh, listening to reason here. Maybe after this unprecedented draconian shutdown, that does not appear to have been backed up by a whole lot of evidence that does not appear to have accomplished much at all, may have cost more lives than it actually saved, very likely may have cost more lives than it saved. Now it's going to be weeks, not months, right? Mm, not so fast because Gavin Newsom is, is going to reopen the California economy, fifth largest economy in the world in a series of phases. So what opens, we're in phase one right now, what opens in phase two, then what opens in phase three then what opens in phase four? Tells you everything you need to know about the governor's priorities. So that's phase one uh, and phase two. Uh, again, retail, logistics, manufacturing, non-essentials, uh, schools that we begin in the summer and preparation, the early falls, childcare uh, facilities and centers with strict uh, physical distancing and environmental considerations at hand, workforce protections, customer and consumer uh, protections. There's a third and fourth phase, just four phases. The third phase is personal care. It's the areas around, you know, well, a lot of discussion around gyms and spas and nail salons and people wanting to get haircuts, 
uh, all of us, uh, those uh, would fall into the third phase category. Dr. Angel again will lay out uh, some details on that. And then, of course, ultimately the fourth phase, which are these highest risk activities, not the higher risk activities in stage three, the highest risk activities. Uh, that's the larger public venues, the conventions, the concerts, uh, the larger entertainment venues with crowds that would be in that category. Notice anything missing there? What about the churches? We've got retail shops and schools and daycare, okay. And then we've got the hair salons and the nail salons and the gyms. And then we've got the concerts and the big sporting events. What about the churches? Doesn't even cross his mind, does it? Now you might think, okay, if they're going to open the schools, probably that's about the time they're going to open the churches, right? Mm, you'd be wrong. We will get to where the churches fall in all of this in the open order and in our social priorities. But first, I got to thank our friends over at ReadyWise. You know, uh, having enough food to last you in the event of a real food emergency is sort of like insurance, right? And it can save you and your loved ones. And maybe now more than ever, you're thinking about that. Well, our sponsor, you know, Wise Company, they recently changed their name to ReadyWise. And now is a better time than ever for you to be ready with long-term nutritional food options. ReadyWise has options like emergency meals, free, freeze-dried fruits and vegetables for convenient on-the-go nutrition, new adventure meals for hiking, camping, other outdoor activities. ReadyWise meals are easy to prepare. You just add water. They also have a very long shelf life. ReadyWise makes being prepared simple and affordable. You order online, you have nutritious meals shipped directly to your doorstep. That probably sounds pretty good right about now. They use the finest ingredients and latest food prep technology to ensure optimal taste and freshness, okay? Each meal is a combination of both dehydrated and freeze-dried ingredients. They're packed into durable, long-lasting pouches. Check it out right now. Get free shipping at ReadyWise.com when entering Knowles at checkout or by calling 855-453-2945. ReadyWise has a 90-day no-questions-asked return policy, so there is no risk taking the initiative to get yourself and your family prepared today. Do it today. ReadyWise, R-E-A-D-Y-W-I-S-E.com. Promo code Knowles to get free shipping. So Newsom forgot to mention the churches when he talks about reopening. We're in stage one right now, which is basically just a total shutdown. Stage two opens up schools, childcare facilities, retail businesses for curbside pickup, but still reopens the retail businesses and offices where you can't work from home. These offices are going to be reopened to have employees there. That's stage two. The churches don't open until stage three. Stage three includes hair salons, nail salons, gyms, movie theaters, and in-person religious services, churches, and weddings. So let me get this straight. We can reopen the schools. We can reopen the daycare centers within weeks, but we can't reopen churches for months. He says the schools will be weeks, not months. He says the churches will be months not weeks. But the, the virus is just as virulent at school as at church, just as contagious at school as, it's, as at church. If Governor Newsom wanted to open up the churches, he easily could do that. But he's not going to be opening up the churches anytime soon because he doesn't want to open up the churches. And I know exactly what he's thinking. I know what every secular modern liberal in America is thinking. 
they're thinking, oh, we got to open up these schools. We got to open up the schools because right now parents have to look after their kids and they haven't made accommodations to look after their kids. We've got a modern economy where everyone's working all the time, so they can't look after their kids. Some people can't even feed their kids, or maybe they can feed their kids, but they choose not to feed their kids. They rely on the government to feed their kids. And so it's just such a hassle. We got to find somewhere to put these kids. So we got to, yeah, we got to put them in school or we got to put them in daycare ASAP. But nobody has to go to church, right? Nobody, I know some like silly old women who are afraid of the dark. I know that they like to go to church, but okay, you don't, nobody's got to go to church, right? What happens at church? Nothing. Bunch of hocus pocus superstition. So we're going to keep that closed as long as we can because, you know, we don't want the virus to spread. But the schools, the schools, we have to open the schools. They think it's not important to go to church. They think nothing really happens. It's just this old silly custom that people have that if the government could shut it all down tomorrow, they would because then they'd have fewer viruses spreading around, but they can't. So anyway, we'll put, we'll just put that off for a few months. Now, someone tweet, when I pointed this out, someone tweeted at me and said, oh my gosh, Michael, you're so crazy. You think that going to church is as important as going to school. And that's not true. That's not what I think. I think that going to church is much, much more important than going to school. Okay. Go to church, get eternal life. Mm, that's pretty good. That sounds pretty good, right? Go to school, learn about 56 imaginary genders. Uh, mm, if I've got to make a choice there, I'm probably going with the church, right? Go to church, access the sacraments, worship God, contemplate the most profound mysteries of God and man, the received wisdom of all the ages. Go to school, learn about how George Washington was a racist and like really bad and stuff. Mm, okay, I think I'm going to go a little bit more on the church side of things. This is, I don't just mean to make fun of Newsom or kind of modern liberals. It actually tells us something profound about it. This is the priority of a liberal society, of a modern liberal society. It's all just about material stuff. It's all just about very practical utilitarian knowledge. We don't contemplate the eternal questions. We don't view ourselves as eternal creatures. We don't view the deeper spiritual questions that, that mankind has contemplated for all of history. What the hell does this tell us about our society? That we're not in a very serious place. <laughs> okay. Christians were not the only targets though of these power hungry politicians. Bill de Blasio in New York sends out this tweet, quote, my message to the Jewish community and all communities is this simple. The time for warnings has passed. I have instructed the NYPD to proceed immediately to summons or even arrest those who gather in large groups. This is about stopping this disease and saving lives, period. Now, I assume that tweet was uh, just a translation from the original German that Mayor de Blasio gave that out in. What a terrible look. De Blasio in New York, I guess, has had some trouble shutting down the synagogues because the Jewish community there realizes that these religious questions and the religious fact of life is much more important than going to retail shops, much more important than being able to give your kids to someone else to watch all day long, right? M liberal society doesn't think that way, but traditional religion does think that way. We think it's much more important to deal with the spiritual reality of man than to deal with these physical needs. But li liberal society just says the most important thing to do is to consume. You've got to consume products, all that. You've got to be able to go to retail shops. 
How would we survive if we can't consume products? And you've got to be able to indoctrinate the next generation to perpetuate the system. Those are the two things. You're not, the kids aren't learning. It's not like they're receiving a classical education at school. It's not like they're receiving a proper liberal arts education. They're just learning the faddish ideologies of the regime about climate change, environmentalism, about the gender theory, about all these sort of things that perpetuate liberal modernity. And the eternal questions, not only are they not contemplated, they're not allowed to be contemplated. You're not allowed to even read the Bible in schools, which is the most important book ever written that that shaped our entire culture. And de Blasio obviously is playing his part in that as a good modern leftist. Now, at the same time as the the mayors and the governors and, and the kind of liberal elite are doubling down on everything, the New York Times is admitting that actually maybe the lockdowns aren't having that big of a health effect at all. There's this article that comes out from, of all places, the New York Times. New York Times says, life has to go on how Sweden has faced the virus without a lockdown. You remember, basically every country in the world shut down, total lockdown, crashed the global economy, except for Sweden. Those Swedes weren't going to hear it. They basically stayed open. So the New York Times has to admit now, the country was an outlier in Europe, trusting its people to voluntarily follow its protocols. Many haven't, but it does not seem to have hurt them. Swedes, they said, could be trusted to stay home, follow social distancing protocols, and wash their hands to slow the spread of the virus without any mandatory orders. And to a large extent, Sweden does seem to have been as successful in controlling the virus as most other nations. So then what have we been doing for the past five weeks? If the lockdowns have not put us in a much, much better position than no lockdowns at all that we see in Sweden. What's the point of the lockdowns? Because by the way, when the virus comes back again, which it will, especially since we don't have a vaccine in sight, Sweden is going to be in a much better position because they're going to have what is called herd immunity or something close to it by the time it comes back again. That's the whole point of not locking down. Times goes on to admit, while other countries were slamming on the brakes, Sweden kept its borders open. Gatherings of more than 50 people are banned, but that's about it. There are almost no fines and police officers can only ask people to oblige. That's it. And yet Sweden is doing just fine. So while not not just the many studies that we've talked about on this show over the past few days and weeks, not just the many models that we've looked at that haven't come true, the doomsday models, 2 million Americans dead, 4 million Americans dead, doesn't look anything like that. As all of the scientific evidence falls apart for the lockdowns, The liberal elites, the mayors and the governors and the journalists double down. Actually, even at the New York Times, the putatively conservative columnist there, Ross Douthat, tweeted out this hot take on the lockdowns. Quote, the fact that Sweden and parts of the U.S. right have converged on the same let the old die for herd immunity approach to the coronavirus demonstrates that Nordic socialism and American libertarianism are the twin faces of late liberalism. Siblings, not enemies. Send tweet. He's got this little kind of joke at the end. Send tweet. Here's the first thought that pops into my mind. Now, the point that Ross Douthat made is almost a good point. It's kind of the point we made yesterday that there's this similarity between hyper-individualistic libertarianism and statist liberalism, that actually they're kind of two sides of the same coin. Sure, I guess that point's right. 
The trouble is what he's observing about what's happening is wrong. He's saying that Sweden and parts of the U.S. have converged on a let the old die for herd immunity approach. Well, that's not what his own newspaper is saying about what's actually happening. Nobody is suggesting let the old die for herd immunity. What we're suggesting is there's, there's no alternative to the virus working its way through the society and there's no advantage to the lockdown because we were told two, there are two points of a lockdown. Don't overwhelm the healthcare system, buy enough time to get a vaccine. We now know we're not going to get a vaccine anytime soon. We know that the virus is spreading very, very quickly, much faster than people predicted it would. And we know that we're not overwhelming the hospital system. Saw it even in New York, which was the epicenter in the United States. So the lockdowns aren't accomplishing anything. We know people are dying from the lockdowns. People always die when you crash the economy. So we're just saying the lock, there's no point to the lockdowns. The lockdowns are causing more harm than good. That's not this difficult, you know, let the old die so that young people can make more money. That's just a fiction. That's a fiction now being promulgated by people who got it wrong in the first place. They got the lockdowns wrong, even when many of us were saying, hey, maybe we should slow down. Maybe we shouldn't pump the, pump the, or drive rather, the global economy to a crash. Okay, I get it. People don't like to be wrong. They hate it when the evidence disproves what they were saying. People have got to move on though. Okay, you've got to react to the evidence in front of you. You can't become so wrapped up in your own ideology that you're ignoring the evidence all around you. I mean, I think we're seeing a lot of that about our, even just our culture. Forget about coronavirus for a moment. The fact that this country, which was founded on religious liberty, which was founded because pilgrims, religious zealots from England sailed across the ocean so that they could practice their own very peculiar form of Christianity left everything that was known about civilization and came to a wilderness in the, in the Northeast, in New England, to practice their own very odd form of Christianity. And that many other religious groups have done that. And that our, our First Amendment gives us certain religious liberties, that the country has this religious ethos. The fact that we now think it's more important to be able to drop your kids off at daycare and go consume products at retail stores than it is to go to church, the fact that now our governors think there's no, it doesn't really matter if you go to church, that tells us that something has broken in our culture. There's actually, there's a film out right now, brand new film. It's just on Amazon Prime. It was supposed to go to South by Southwest. It's about this question. It's about how our culture has changed, how it's being reflected on the internet. The movie is called That Feel When No Girlfriend, TFW No GF. And it's about kind of this 4chan internet meme incel is the term the media use, world that has been created on the internet because of the alienation and the isolation of modern liberal society. We'll get to that in just a little bit. When your culture does not match your ideology, when the reality does not match what you think about reality, you should change your mind because reality is probably <laughs> the, the, the thing to rely on. Uh, we're, oh my gosh, we're seeing this even in sports. I know that there's not a lot going on in sports right now, but there, there is a story, a uh, pa Patriots rookie kicker, this guy, Justin Rohrwasser, is now being publicly shamed because he has a tattoo in support of the American Revolution. That's how much our culture has been warped. We'll get to that in a second. First, I have got to thank our friends over at Ring. You know how much I love Ring, especially now. Right now, especially, you want to know who's at your door. 
whether or not you're at home. You might be at home. Maybe you're running out to one of the few places you're allowed to go to. Maybe you are able to go back to work. We're home more than usual these days, but it's hard to keep a close eye on things. More deliveries mean more boxes left unattended. More opportunities for packages to go missing. With Ring, you can keep your home safe no matter where you are. I love Ring, especially now. Sweet little Lisa's a good shot, you know, but I like to be able to keep an eye on my place. I, I love it so much. I trust it so much that I actually now give this out as a gift to my friends when they have a housewarming or something like that. Uh, we just saw on the camera the other day, some people have been stealing packages around the building. Probably wouldn't have been able to see that if we didn't have a little camera out there to record it. Ring gives you protection at every corner. Doorbell 3 is upgraded with additional security features and works on any home. Get a special offer on the Ring Welcome Kit right now when you go to ring.com slash Knowles. The Welcome Kit includes the Ring Video Doorbell 3 and Chime Pro. It's all you need to start building custom security for your home today. Go to ring.com slash Knowles. That's ring.com slash Knowles. All right. You know that I don't know anything about sports, but... I do know something about how the American culture has changed, and we're seeing that now in sports. This uh, Patriots rookie kicker, Justin Rohrwasser, he has this tattoo, and it has the number three and some stars and stripes on that. And this refers to this idea that only 3% of Americans in the Revolutionary War fought for the Patriot side. And the rest were either neutral, or they supported the British, or they, they wouldn't actually put their money where their mouth is and stand up against British tyranny. Uh, this is an idea that's got longstanding in American history. And then this idea of the 3% came up during the Tea Party movement over the last 10, 12 years or so. So this uh, rookie kicker has got that little tattoo on. And now the American culture is trying to shame him, tell him that it, that's actually racist and bigoted and evil and terrible and awful if he identifies with the American Revolution. So he was brought on a local news program and he was basically just bullied into removing the tattoo. Here's Rohrwasser. I uh, went on to Twitter and um, I, I saw the tweet. And I saw that someone had taken a picture of me and uh, put it with you know, my tattoo and linking me to some um, horrific events. You know, obviously Charlottesville and these horrible things. Why is this just coming up now? I mean, did this come up at all when you were at Marshall? No, no, uh, never. It was, you know, the first time I found out what it was linked to was on, you know, on Saturday. And that's, that's why it was, you know, so, uh, that's, that's why it was so surprising. When did you get the tattoo, Justin? Uh, when, well, when I was 18, I got it. And it was described to me as, you know, the, the, the percentage of colonists that, rose up against the authoritarian government of the British. And I was like, wow, that's such a, you know, American sentiment, a patriotic sentiment. Um, and coming from a, a military family, I, uh, I, I thought that really spoke to me. And I, I uh, you know, I, I, I always was proud to be an American. I'm very proud. Ah, uh, that's the problem. You're not allowed to have any feeling of loyalty to your country anymore. That's the problem. Listen to the way this is being framed. Saying, well, did you know that you're actually a racist, neo-Nazi, skinhead, alt-right, fascist, terrible person when you got that tattoo? And the guy goes, no, I didn't know that. I thought it was the American Revolution and the 3% that fought the British and I love my country and I've got a lot of military members in my country and I'm not a bad guy. I'm not allowed to support the American Revolution anymore. And no, you're not. The way they link it, 
They're talking about uh, all these awful bigots and people and events. Well, I, I did a little look into the 3% thing. I mean, it's a totally disparate group of people. So it's, you know, people can wear it and not even know that there are any organizations called the 3%. But I said, okay, well, maybe look, maybe the 3% organization is actually a bigoted, terrible hate group. Well, I looked into it. And after Charlottesville, you know, after the, the alt-right rally at Charlottesville, uh, there was a, a group of the 3% people, which was the National Council, and they said explicitly, we will not align ourselves with any type of racist group. For the, you know, if one or two people who have the 3% tattoo showed up to this thing, they shouldn't do it, don't do it, we don't support this, we disavow it. And yet this guy is being shamed for it. That's a strange culture. I mean, that, that wouldn't have happened 50 years ago. If you said 50 years ago, yeah, I really support the American Revolution, you would not have been shamed out of football. But now football is an, is an anti-American activity, right? I mean, we now have league-wide protests of the American flag, not just league-wide protests of the cops, not just league-wide protests of the military, not just league-wide protests of Donald Trump, league-wide protests of the American flag, which is the symbol of the country itself. In our sporting events, and sports are always patriotic, that is in the nature of games, of sports. Something has gone terribly wrong here. And it's gone terribly wrong in recent years. Something has gone a little bit psycho in our culture. We will get to that. Speaking of psychos in our culture, Hillary Clinton just endorsed Joe Biden. <laughs> There's no better way to get yourself out of sexual assault allegations than to have the, the woman who smeared all of Bill Clinton's victims have her come out and endorse you, right? That's pretty smart. Uh, we, we will get to that in a moment. First, got to thank our friends though. The Benham Brothers, you know the Benham Brothers. When you start to have your employees working remote, you've got to manage your workforce and your workflow really, really well, okay? Obviously, this virus is having a big impact on small businesses and on employees, all right? Systems are crucial. The Benham brothers are great at managing work teams that are all over the country. These guys have over a dozen businesses, including a real estate empire that spans over 35 states. Now, you might have heard of the Benham brothers before, one, because I tell you about them, and two, because they were slated for a reality TV show on HGTV that was canceled because of their commitment to conservative values. I really like these guys, and over the last six months, they've created a new course called Expert Ownership how to own a business without it owning you. I love it. You know, one of the real problems about our liberal modern culture is this idea that all you have to do your whole life long is just hustle, hustle, hustle. Forget about virtue, forget about character, forget about morality. Just you hustle and then you hustle yourself into the ground. Well, that's not the Benham Brothers approach, all right? They understand that life is about more than that. Uh, they have slashed the cost of this course to help small business owners and entrepreneurs who are trying to navigate all that is happening right now. Head on over to BenhamBrothers.com slash Knowles to see a preview of the course and get a special discount. That's B-E-N-H-A-M Brothers.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Right now, when you join Daily Wire, when you become an Insider Plus or All Access member, what do you get? You get one tumbler. <laughs> you can't just have one tumbler. Not these days. Too many tiers. You got to get two. You got to get one for Gavin Newsom. You got to get one for Bill de Blasio. Once our country actually reopens, more cars on the road every day because people are not having any of this. Okay. Head on over to dailywire.com. Subscribe. We will be right back.
Joe Biden is breaking out the big guns. He's breaking out Hillary Clinton, which I guess could literally refer to guns. You know, you don't want to end up on the wrong side of Hillary Clinton. Allegedly, allegedly. Look, I'm not making any claims. Okay. Hillary Clinton is now coming out and uh, supporting Joe Biden. I'll give it to you in her own words. I want to send a message to every survivor of sexual assault. Don't let anyone silence your voice. You have a right to be heard and you have a right to be believed. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's an old clip. That was after Hillary spent decades smearing her husband's sexual victims and before she endorsed an increasingly credibly accused possible sexual assailant. So, sorry, that, that was, I don't know. She's kind of moved on past that now. Now she is endorsing uh, Joe Biden. And why is Hillary endorsing Joe Biden? What's the point of endorsing Joe Biden? She actually says the part that you're not supposed to say out loud. She says, like so many other liberals and leftists say, that you should never let a crisis go to waste. This is a high stakes time uh, because of the pandemic, but this is also a really high stakes election. And every form of health care should continue to be available, including uh, reproductive health care for every woman uh, in this country. Uh, and then it needs to be part of a much larger system that eventually and quickly, I hope, gets us to universal health care. So uh, I, I can uh, only uh, say amen to everything you're saying, but also to, again, enlist people that this would be a terrible crisis to waste, as the old saying goes. We've learned a lot about what our absolute uh, frailties are in our country when it comes to health justice and economic justice. So, you know, let's be resolved that we're going to solve those once you're elected president. There is the logic. The reason to endorse Biden is not because Biden is going to make some great president. Joe Biden looks like he's falling asleep during her endorsement. If you watch the clip, the reason to endorse Biden is because this is a good opportunity for a Democrat to win. The economy has crashed because the government made it crash. And so it's a good chance. And Joe's the only chance they've got. So, okay, we're going to go and endorse Joe Biden. Obviously, some people are not thrilled about this endorsement, namely Tara Reid, the woman who is accusing Joe Biden of sexual assault decades ago. Here's what Tara Reid had to say about the endorsement. Quote, I voted for Hillary Clinton in 2016. I voted for her in the primary. I'm a lifelong Democrat. But yet, what I see now is someone enabling a sexual predator, and it was my former boss, Joe Biden, who raped me. Hillary Clinton has a history of enabling powerful men to cover up their sexual predatory behaviors and their inappropriate sexual misconduct. We don't need that for this country. We don't need that for our new generation coming up that wants institutional rape culture to change. She added, I will not be smeared, dismissed, or ignored. I stand in truth and I will keep speaking out. Now, look, pretty strong statement. Obviously, much more credible than other accusations we've heard against other politicians. We'll get to the comparison in a moment. But she's making some pretty serious claims. Don't forget, we didn't hear anything about this publicly for decades. Then initially, when she came out about a year ago, she said Joe Biden just sort of made her uncomfortable, that he was inappropriate, it was very vague. Then she said that he sexually assaulted her. And now she's saying he raped her. Those are, di those are different things, right? I mean, it's, uh, he, he didn't go all the way in terms of the, the accusation that she's making, or at least has been making over the last month or so. But he did, he did he did do the thing that, ironically, Democrats were upset that Trump joked about. He grabbed her by the you-know-where and uh, 
you know, the Democrats spent four years complaining that Trump joked about that. Now you've got a guy being accused of actually doing that. Then Tara Reid goes on and says that we have a rape culture. That is a claim that I don't think very many people would agree with, that there's a rape culture in America, that the campus of Harvard University is actually more dangerous for women than downtown Baghdad or something. I don't, I don't think people really believe that. So we have to keep perspective. We don't want Republicans to just be like Democrats and use this as pure craven opportunism. Um, however, there is some evidence to back up this woman's claims. First of all, Joe Biden in trying to answer these charges, defending the Hillary Clinton endorsement, answering the allegations against him, he just as usual keeps putting the foot, his foot in his mouth. Imagine the worst phrasing to use if you're trying to change the subject from the sexual assault allegations against you back to a political issue like the economy. Imagine the worst possible word choice. That's what Biden gives you. I would get much more engaged in the world. We can't step back. If, in fact, for example, we solve the problem in the United States of America and you don't solve it other parts of the world, you know what's going to happen. We're going to have, you're going to have travel bans. You're going to not be able to do, have, have economic intercourse around the world. There's a lot. Look, when America goes alone, when, when America is first, it's America alone. Economic intercourse? You are trying to change the subject from the sex stuff about you you're trying to turn it back to the economy, which is not particularly sexy. That's probably a good idea. Turn it back to that. And so you use the phrase intercourse. That's not even a phrase people use, <laughs> but uh, Joe Biden just can't help himself. The only reason that he can get away with it, the reason he's so comfortable getting away with it is he knows that the media won't cover it. How long have these allegations been out now? Weeks, months? And yet the mainstream media will not cover it. Actually, the, the nearest thing we got to anyone covering it was on Telemundo in Spanish. El apoyo llega en un momento en que eh, Biden, eh, senador por Delaware, enfrenta acusaciones de asalto sexual de parte de una empleada de su oficina cuando él actuaba como senador en la década de los 90. My Spanish is not exactly great, but sounds like they're talking about how a former staffer is accusing him of these sexual allegations. You don't see that on CNN. You don't see that on MSNBC. You don't see that on all the stations that aired weeks and weeks of 24-7 coverage over Christine Blasey Ford and Julie Swetnick and Michael Avenatti, all accusing Justice Brett Kavanaugh. You don't see that at all. University of Delaware is covering this up too. University of Delaware has Joe Biden's papers. So if there are documents pertaining to the, the firing or the departure of this woman, Tara Reid, from the Biden staff, if there are documents pertaining to any kind of settlement or the allegations themselves, they're probably at the University of Delaware. University of Delaware won't open them up. They say the Senate documents are housed by the University of Delaware Library. They cover a wide swath of Biden's political career, but they are being kept secret until he retires from public life. Why is that? Probably because there's something a little dodgy in there, some, some ammo for his political opponents. Now, the would-be vice presidential candidate, Stacey Abrams, for her part, is defending Joe Biden. Here is the, our future imaginary vice president, who's the current imaginary governor of Georgia, Stacey Abrams. Okay, as someone who wants to be his vice president, I think it's important that you, we speak about something that's in the news now. Okay, hold on. First one second. I got to take a break there. She's known as the person who wants to be vice president. She's not known as the governor of Georgia because she's not the governor of Georgia. She's not the state representative in Georgia. She's 
the woman who wants to be vice president. I love that that is basically the beginning and the end of her reputation. They go on. As you know, there is a sexual assault allegation against Joe Biden. The accuser, her name is Tara Reid, tells CNN that the alleged incident happened in 1993 while she was working as an aide in Biden's Senate office. She is claiming that she was delivering Biden a duffel bag and says that Biden had her up against the wall in a corridor uh, on the Hill and violated her with his fingers. Now, CNN has now, has now spoken on the record with her former neighbor, who says Reid told her about the allegation within a few years of the alleged incident. Biden's campaign says untrue, never happened. Is this a credible allegation? I believe that women deserve to be heard and I believe that they need to be listened to. But I also believe that those allegations have to be investigated by credible sources. The New York Times did a deep investigation and they found that the accusation was not credible. I believe Joe Biden. I believe that women need to be believed and heard, but just not women who accuse Democrats because the Democrat party newspaper said that she's a liar. So she's a liar. And that's why I support Joe Biden. This woman, the cojones on this woman are astounding. I love her. I hope she gets the running mate nod. I hope that she's going to be around on the national political scene for months and months. She is the gift that keeps on giving. Here's what Abrams said when Kavanaugh was accused in, in a much less credible way. She says, quote, after the courageous and compelling testimony from Dr. Christine Blasey Ford yesterday, it is shameful that Kavanaugh's nomination is being rushed forward. I believe women and I believe survivors of violence always deserve to be supported and to have their voices heard. Let's just do a little side-by-side comparison. Christine Blasey Ford, had no documented relationship with Brett Kavanaugh whatsoever. Okay. Nothing linking those two people ever. Couldn't name the location or the date of the alleged incident of the party at which this incident took place. Couldn't say who was at the party. Changed her story multiple times. Finally, when she did name a friend who was at the party, the friend said it didn't happen, that she didn't see it happen. None, none of it couldn't couldn't corroborate anything, didn't have a single person to corroborate any part of the story, which had changed many times over the years, got caught in multiple lies as well. Some of which had to do with strange details like the architecture of her own house, which she said related to this incident. Nothing about her story held up. And she was by far the most credible accuser against Brett Kavanaugh. Compare that to Tara Reid. We know she had a relationship to Biden because we know she worked on his staff. Her mother called into the Larry King show the very month that she left the Biden staff and talked about some kind of incident involving a prominent U.S. Senator. Tara Reid has a specific allegation that has not changed all that much. And Tara Reid has corroboration from a friend at the time. We talked about her yesterday. The friend said this did happen. Tara Reid is much, much, much more credible than Christine Blasey Ford. The allegations against Biden are much, much, much more credible than the allegations against Brett Kavanaugh. It is a scandal of the highest proportions that the mainstream media are trying to bury this story, that the New York Times is calling this woman a liar, that CNN and MSNBC will not run it, and that absolute cynical hacks like Stacey Abrams and Hillary Clinton and every other member of the Democratic Party are, are saying that this woman is not telling the truth. 
Okay. My standard of justice is not believe all women or believe all men. It's follow the evidence and give the accused due process. That's not the left standard of justice. They pretend to be defenders of women and then they throw them under the bus. And we knew this during the Clinton era because Hillary was the one who did it. And then I guess some people forgot it for a few years, but it seems to me we're remembering this again. BuzzFeed right now has a piece out. Uh, they, they got the scoop that the Biden campaign is circulating talking points to tell the surrogates to, to say that this woman should not be believed. Okay, not a great look for his campaign, but it does expose something about our, our cynical political culture. Uh, now, speaking of our cynical political culture, there's a new candidate who's running for president. That candidate, he's not left wing, he's not right wing, he's the libertarian Justin Amosh who is a showboater, who is the only Republican in the House who voted to impeach Trump. He's uh, just a big jerk. I mean, he's just a showboating jerk. And the sad thing about his campaign is that not even his own supporters support him. So, you know, the bulwark is the kind of leftist conservative outlet. I know that sounds odd, but it's a, it's a, I, I guess a fairer way to put it is a liberal conservative outlet. They're on the, the liberal wing of the Republican party. Um, they have now put out this piece because a lot of these people at the bulwark would support a candidate like Justin Amash, but they don't like him because they think he's going to take votes away from Joe Biden and they want Joe Biden to beat Donald Trump. Conservatism. So this is the piece. Headline, Justin Amash should not run for president in 2020. Uh, Amash is great, but a third party run could help reelect Donald Trump. We love Justin Amash. We're what the kids would call Amash stands. These are the only two people on planet earth who are fans of Justin Amash. I suspect including Justin Amash. We love him because he's the only member of the Freedom Caucus who didn't abandon everything he believed to pledge fealty to Trump. Yeah, that's right. He just voted to impeach a fairly conservative uh, president. One of the most conservative presidents we've ever had in our country's history. To be clear, this isn't an easy call. On the one hand, we want to be for him to have the joint satisfaction of getting behind the constitutional superhero of our dreams. But on the other hand, there is a downside risk to his running and the price of a second Trump term is too great for anyone to be playing dice with it. Uh, I'm not going to go too hard at the authors of this piece because I worked with one of them on a campaign one time. So I, I, my point is not to make fun of them. It's to make fun of Justin Amash. This is what happens when you let your ideology run away from reality. Donald Trump is the most conservative president we've had in decades and decades. And in, by a certain light, probably the most conservative president we've had since Calvin Coolidge. And yet, because people have gotten so wrapped up in their lib liberal ideology, even people on the right have gotten wrapped up in a liberal ideology. They've made an idol out of that ideology and they can't see the disconnect of that ideology to the culture, even as things go off the rails in our society, even as we prioritize retail businesses over going to church, even as we prioritize SJWs and leftism over the American Revolution, even as we prioritize some showboating wacko, Justin Amash, over an actual conservative president. Uh, that's a big trouble that's been going on. You know, we had, we had this uh, liberal ideology, you, I guess you'd call it neoliberal ideology, globalist ideology over the past few decades, which cheered on the rise of China. Now, guess what happened? China is infiltrating our media. It bought off all of Hollywood. It's infiltrated our institutions of higher learning, most especially Harvard, and it caused this global pandemic. And it caused the pandemic, even ignoring the origins of the virus, which seems to have a link to the Wuhan Institute of Virology, that government lab. Just the cover-up alone is what caused the pandemic. 
And some people are still stuck in their ideology. They say, well, rising, rising tide lifts all ships, even when it comes to geopolitical adversaries like China. Fortunately, some people are pushing back. So right now there's some concrete steps. I, I spoke to Senator Ted Cruz about this on our show together, Verdict with Ted Cruz, which will be coming out soon. Uh, but uh, he is putting forth specific legislation and regulations that will stop China from broadcasting a TV station into the United States to air their propaganda, that will stop China from infiltrating Hollywood or at least slow it down a little bit. That's the Script Act that will knock a major uh, Chinese spy company, I'm sorry, I mean a telecommunications company called Huawei out of the West where it's infiltrating the West a lot and where it will reduce Chinese influence at elite American universities. I recommend you go check out the Verdict podcast when that comes out. We'll go into more detail there. Uh, I think this is going to be the challenge, you know, zooming out a little bit when we're talking about coronavirus, when we're talking about the 2020 election, when we zoom out a little bit more and we just look at our culture right now in the Trump era, the post-Trump era, where we go from here. We have all been enthralled to a sort of particular liberal ideology. Democrats and Republicans in many ways, left and right in many ways, have been pushing into this ideology of globalism, neoliberalism, liberal modernity. Use whatever, whatever ism you want to describe it. But it's had some effects that are not so great. It's made us all richer right? All that trade with China, it has, it has in a way made us richer because we get cheaper consumer goods. All this kind of hyper-individualism has made us richer where we feel sort of unleashed to go pursue our own interests. And yet a lot of other aspects of society have crumbled. American solidarity, feeling of loyalty to your countrymen, feeling of loyalty to the founding of your country, you know, the American revolution. Uh, a lot of that has fallen apart. A feeling of solidarity to your church communities, which now are being shut down so that you can just go shop more instead, because that's more important. Uh, a grounding of our politics in the eternal questions, which, which many people in liberal modernity don't even think about. There has been a social breakdown and decay. And this brings me to a movie that I would highly recommend. It was supposed to premiere at South by Southwest, but obviously that conference is not happening because China gave us a global pandemic. So instead it's airing on Amazon Prime. You can watch it. If you have Prime, you can watch it for free. The movie is called TWF No GF, which is internet slang for that feel when no girlfriend. And it refers to a specific internet meme and more broadly meme culture of people who feel isolated and alone and are kind of self-described losers and just live in the bowels of the internet. It's a, a movie by the filmmaker Alex Lee Moyer. It's a first movie, so it's not, not an A plus in terms of the filmmaking. It is actually very good for a first film. But the subject is so important that I think you should check it out. It's a movie about alienated young men. The, the so-called incels or the losers or the people that the left think are going to be all the future school shooters and the, the racists and the bigots and the terrible people. And the movie is pretty even-handed about them. And it, it really shines a pretty, pretty clear and critical light on these guys, how much these guys are serious, how much they're being ironic, how technology and ideology and liberalism and modern society and individualism and social breakdown has led to this phenomenon and what it means for all of us. So obviously the title refers to what you'd say self-described losers, right? This depressive feeling when you don't have a girlfriend and you can't do anything and you're not going anywhere. And it diagnoses all of these ills. It diagnoses broken families. 
diagnoses the feeling of meaninglessness that a lot of people have in modernity, diagnoses the breakdown of friendship and romantic relationships. So people don't have type, real life relationships with people, so they just go online and find communities of people, some of whom are just as isolated and messed up as they are. But it's, it's that virtual relationship, which is not really the same. It can, it can be nice. I have virtual relationships with people, but having a, a, an in-person, physical, tangible, real-life relationship with somebody is a different thing. And it, it means something different. A breakdown of social cohesion as a whole the hypocrisy and an absurdity of political correctness. You know, one thing that a lot of the figures in this movie talk about is they're like, they say that we're, you know, bigots and racists and sexists. We're just joking. <laughs> it's just a joke. It's, we're just being ironic here because our politically correct culture is so intense now that people need an outlet to, to transgress taboos. Young people always want to transgress taboos. You know, if this were, I don't know, 10, 20 years ago, these would be the emo kids. If this were 30 years ago, these would be the punk kids. It's people who feel like they don't quite fit into society and increase the trouble with modern societies increasingly more and more people feel like they don't fit in because that social cohesion has objectively and steadily and aggressively broken down. Part of it is the irony. You know, we live in a society that's very ironic. That's very cynical. Everything is ironic and cynical, right? Every, everything is sort of sarcastic. If you look at old forms of entertainment, it's very earnest. It's very up and peppy and happy. And, you know, think of like Ricky Ricardo. I remember I was, when I was in Cuba, I saw a, a performance there and it, I was struck by how earnest it was. People were very enthusiastic because our pop culture in America today is very ironic and lethargic and everything's too cool for school and everyone's kind of, kind of popularly depressed. Uh, th- that tells us something about the culture. And then the ugliness of it. That's the other thing that you just look at certain towns, you look at certain media. You look at, look all around us and our modern culture is ugly. The architecture is ugly. The paintings are ugly. The music is ugly. The fashion is ugly. It's just ugly. We don't have a sense of beauty or order anymore. And that, that aesthetic reality, what we can see with our own eyes has a relationship to our ideology, has a relationship to what we believe to be true about the eternal questions. When a society just worships sex for sex's own sake, then it's, it's not going to be sensuous and, and alluring and beautiful. It's going to be pornographic. When a society just values things to be consumed as commodities, then we're going to open retail shops before we open churches, right? It's an ugly thing. It's really worth t- taking a look at this movie. Uh, it, I think it will open your eyes, not even just to this one sec- segment of the internet, this one segment of disaffected young men. It will open your eyes to some of the problems in our American psycho society as a whole. That's our show. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies and directed by Mike Joyner. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. Assistant director, Pavel Widowski. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, 
Nika Geneva. Production assistant, Ryan Love. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth, and you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune in to The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there. 